0: Welcome to Compare To Who, the podcast to help you stop comparing and start living. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore. I hate to admit this, but I used to secretly obsess over my appearance. I thought it was part of my job as a woman to always look better, but never felt like I could be good enough. Maybe you can relate. But God, in his grace, he showed me a way out, and I want to give you all the tools you need to break free, too. If you've ever spent too much time stressing over your looks, I get it. I hope you'll keep listening and find the same freedom I have. Here are three other things you need to know about me. I'm a minivan driving mom of four elementary age kids. I'm author of the book Compared to Who and a blogger at comparedtohu.me. And you just may have seen my epic bake fail on Netflix. If you've ever struggled with comparison or body image issues, Compared to Who is the show for you. I hope you enjoy today's episode and tell a friend about it. Hey there, it's Heather Creekmore and I'm glad you're listening to the Compared Who podcast because today we're going to complete a two-part series on busyness. Well, it's the holiday season and so there's no better time probably for you as for me to talk about why we're so busy. And in the last episode, the first part of this two-part series, we talked about what it is that God expects of us in busyness. And we looked at a scripture in Deuteronomy where God separates or he actually distinguishes A free man from a slave by one's ability to rest. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I highly encourage you to go listen to that episode first because it'll kind of make everything we're going to talk about today make a little bit more sense. But essentially, if rest is what distinguishes us from slavery to free man... Then the question is, why don't we rest? Why are we so busy? And why do we let the holiday season especially consume us with busyness when really what God wants from us, I think, during this season is for us to be filled with peace, right? Peace on earth and worship. So, I wanted to start with some fun, okay, fun's probably not the right word, I'm going to use the word convicting statistics, okay, because here's the truth, the truth is we all have the same 24 hours in a day, right, but we seem to feel like, I don't know, maybe you feel this way, I totally feel this way, that there's just not enough hours, right, But the truth is the data shows that we don't always use our time well. Now I'm sure this isn't you or me, but other people out there that say they're busy, they are wasting time. So listen to this, this is really startling. The data shows that we actually have 5.1 hours of leisure time per day. Now, if you're a mom of kids under age six, then you only get 4.6 hours. And if you're single, then you get seven hours. But on average, we have 40 hours of leisure time per week. Friends, that's like a full-time job, right? We have 40 hours of leisure time. Like, I don't know where they get this from. I don't feel like I have 40 hours of leisure time. But then I read the next statistic. Oh, this one hurts a little bit. So in that time here's what we do. On average, we spend five hours a day on television and two hours on social media. And this stat that I found was a couple years old, so I'm afraid that social media statistic has actually gone up a little bit. We're spending more than two hours a day on social media. So get this, if you decided to give up TV, over the course of your life, you would get back seven years and eight months. Isn't that crazy? If you decided to give up social media. Has body image been bogging you down for too long? It's time to get free, my friend. Go to comparejahoo.me, to take your free body image awareness quiz, you will learn amazing things. You'll get your results right away. And I think you'll have fun, too, because, I mean, who doesn't love to take quizzes? Go to, to who.me, There's lots of great resources on that site, articles about body image and comparison and how you can find freedom through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Check it out today, right after this episode, of course. If you decided to give up social media, you would get back five years and four months of your life. That's a lot, friends. I mean, can you imagine what kind of productive, awesome things you could do with that much time? Or let me make it even more real. Can you imagine what your relationship with your spouse, or your children, or your friends, or hey, Jesus would be like if you even put like a fourth of that time back into other people or into your relationship with God? Oh, friends, that's convicting, isn't it? You see, the truth is we are all so busy, But we don't always honor God with our time. And the problem isn't necessarily that we take time for leisure. I don't think that's bad at all, okay? I love television and I love spending some time on social media every now and then, okay? But when it gets out of proportion, when it becomes a priority, when we don't have our other priorities straight, when it's no longer a leisure activity, but like an all-day Saturday activity, that's when things get a little out of whack. And you know, we know that it's not good for us, don't we? Because how many of you have ever decided you were too tired to do anything else? And so you would just sit and watch Netflix all day long. And you know, the big dilemma that we all face, it's like, watch next episode. Oh, I should really go do something else. Ah, I'll just watch one more episode. My husband and I, we were addicted to a show for a while and it was always like, oh, just one more. We have to watch just one more, right? I mean, we all face that dilemma. But what happens after you spend four, five, six hours watching your show? You don't feel rested. You don't feel rejuvenated. You just feel more tired. And you don't have any chance to recover from the busyness you feel, from the pressure you feel. Okay, so let's go to busyness, though. Let's talk about busyness. And what I promised you in this episode is we were gonna look at the heart, right? Now, James tells us that all of our issues ultimately come from our heart, okay? Jesus doesn't tempt us but we are always tempted by our heart to do evil, to sin, right? And so James 1.14 is a great verse on this. Here's how it reads. It goes, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Oh, that's a real upper of a verse isn't it It was actually that was James 1 14 to 16 but the truth that's being conveyed here is that our heart isn't always leading us into good places I hate those little girls t-shirts that say follow your heart or those little signs that say follow your heart because our heart most of the time tempts us to go places that we shouldn't go And one place that we shouldn't go is skipping Sabbath rest. Now, it might not sound like a big deal, right? I mean, it's not like adultery or, uh, you know, lying, right? There's a lot of worse sins in the economy of sins, if you want to think about it like that. But that's not how God thinks about it, is it? Like, God commanded, it's one of the Ten Commandments, God commanded us to take a rest. And yet, we're so Busy that a lot of times we just ignore that command. And today I want to just dig into why. Why are we so busy. Now, in the last episode, we talked a little bit about how our busyness is symptomatic of our lack of faith in God, right? Like in some ways, we feel like we have to do it all ourselves or it's all on me or I've got to work really hard to make things happen. And it's kind of that old cliche of work like it all depends on you and pray like it all depends on God. But a lot of times, (laughs) some of us leave that pray like it all depends on God part out and we just work, work, work thinking we can make it happen. But There's some other things I think that go into why we are busy and what we're busy with. And those are what I'm going to call for this episode, I'm going to call them heart conditions. And I have four of them and we're going to get into them right after this break. Okay, so heart condition number one is one that may hit home with you. It certainly hits home with me. I live this way for so many years. So put on your seatbelt if you're a perfectionist, because this one's gonna hit you. Okay, but I'm gonna be nice about it. I pray I will. That's my heart, at least. But. The first heart condition I'm going to classify as the perfection mentality. And in this case, we are busy because we feel the need to get everything right. But here's the truth. Perfectionism, trying to get everything right. Oh, friends, doesn't that keep us so much busier? I worked for a nonprofit organization and I had an employee who was the ultimate perfectionist and she's awesome. She's a dear friend. So if you're listening, you know who you are and I think you're wonderful. But you're also a really good example of this, okay? So we had to do this conference out of town. And when we did this conference out of town, Oh, my friend, she would just check and double check things. It was like she would make a label and then check the box to make sure that it had everything that the label said it did. And then she would close it up and then she would come back and she would check it again and again and again. She felt this drive to make everything perfect. And what would happen sometimes, especially so she was our event planner. And so sometimes things don't go as planned in the events world. And she would just be on edge. She'd be on tilt because she had everything planned out perfectly and was trying to make everything perfect, perfect, perfect. And if there was a problem that couldn't be solved really quickly and really perfectly, she just collapsed internally. Like she would get so frustrated some of us are just prone to want to do it perfectly. And then there's other people out there who are totally chill and could care less about it being perfect, and I love you people um, because you teach us perfectionists things that we need to learn. But if we pull back the layers, why do we have to be perfect? Why do we need everything to be just so? And friends, what I think happens is our perfectionism is kind of this brick wall around our heart, Right? That might be a fuzzy image for some of you. So let me flesh that out a little bit. And I can flesh it out because it's something I lived. Okay, so I have this brick wall around my heart and I want you to think of me in a certain way. Truth is, I want you to approve of me. And I'm afraid that if I mess up, that you will think poorly of me. And so I keep up this facade of perfection and try to be the perfect one or try to have you think of me as the perfect one, the one who never makes a mistake. And I mean, in school, it was the girl who always gets straight A's. And then at work, it's the person who always you know, executes things flawlessly. But it's, it's this wall where we're really afraid of our humanness. And the truth is, in order to really believe that Jesus died for us on the cross, to really believe the gospel, that we are saved by grace and his sacrifice alone, we actually have to embrace our humanness a little bit, right? We actually have to believe that we're flawed. But for the perfectionist, this is deeply difficult. Perfectionism feeds on a lie. And the lie is, I need to be better. I need to do better. And it's a cycle that never ends because better is a burden and better is an elusive state, right? There's never enough good to get you to better. There's always better, right? So here's what I want you to remember. First of all, Paul tells it best in the Bible. Paul talks about grace and how his grace, God's grace, that is, is sufficient for us. And here's the verse. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And that's in 2 Corinthians twelve nine. if you want to look it up later. But friends, his power is made perfect in my weakness, not in my perfection. I need to boast in my weakness. Like, that sounds like a nightmare to perfectionists, right? Boast in my weakness. Yikes, I'm going to get it right. I'm going to get it done. But the bottom line is, the gospel says the work is already done. Okay, it's not this work on earth, this busyness stuff that we do trying to make ourselves seem better than we are or just trying to execute everything flawless here on earth. No, the work, the real work was done on the cross. And no matter how perfectly I try to do all the things here, no matter how perfectly I try to live here, I can't meet God's holy standard. I can't actually be perfect according to the one person that it matters to God. But what I can do is I can rest in and I can accept Jesus' sacrifice, which covers my mess. And friends, that is when the perfectionism facade can kind of melt away. The heart of the perfectionist stays busy trying to get everything right. And I think what God wants us to remember is that we're not to work for our own glory, right? We're not to work for those kudos, those accolades those wow, she did it again. She is awesome. Oh, she's so perfect. No, we're supposed to work for God's glory. And in that, we're free to give ourselves grace and give others grace when we accept. God's grace. So let me challenge you with something. It's the holiday season and you might be having people over. And I don't know if this happens at your house, but it used to happen at my house a lot. And it certainly happened in my house growing up. We would be having a Christmas party. My mom liked to entertain. I loved to entertain. But I learned from my mom that the way you prepare for entertaining is a lot of stress and fret and making sure that everything is perfect. So my mom used to go through our house and like call certain rooms off limits. And she had to turn the sofa cushion sober because there's a bad side of the sofa cushion and a good side of the sofa cushion. And I mean, if she had food on a plate, you didn't dare touch it or your hand would be chopped off. I'm exaggerating a little, of course. She was the clean up company's coming so. Here's your marching orders and obey them kind of entertainment prepper. And then I turned into the same person, turned into my mother. When we were having people over, I would be the exact same way. And friends, there was so much stress around entertaining. I love to entertain. I love to have people over, but it was so stressful, not necessarily on me, Although it was, I just didn't recognize it because I thought that was kind of the Martha way to operate and the Mary and Martha story that we talked about in the last episode. Like, I'm a Martha, right? So it's like, okay, Martha gets it done. And this is just how you get it done. You like bark orders at everyone and you make it done as well as you can. But... What I've realized over the last few years since God's kind of worked on me in this area is that that's not the best way to entertain, okay? Some of you are like, no, duh. But seriously, friends, it is so much more enjoyable when I'm not yelling at my children and my husband, when I'm not frustrated before people come over, when I'm not all keyed up and uptight about whether or not my bathroom sink sparkles before company comes through the door. It's so much more freeing. And what I've realized is that God offers us opportunities to be hospitable and really even to engage in community by having people over. And the reason for that is to love other people, not to show them how perfect we are, how awesome we are, or how great we are at cleaning our house or entertaining. And so we miss all that. My challenge for you, if you're a perfectionist, is this holiday season, let it go. Be like Ilsa. Just let it go a little bit. Okay. Okay, realize the grace is covering you and your Christmas party and rest. In the work that's been done for you, that means you're accepted even if things aren't perfect. Hard condition number two. I'm going to call it a works mentality. We are busy because we think other people need us. Now, need is kind of a tricky word, right? Because there are people who need you. Your children need you. Your husband needs you. There might be other people that you care for or are responsible to and they might need you. But here's what happens for those of us who are doers. Doers respond to problems by doing. Period. End of story. Honestly, if someone says pray and you think, yeah, that'd be good, but what can I do? <laughs> like, you are a doer, okay? And what happens is we get in this works mentality where we can work our way out of anything. And that includes sometimes helping other people. We want to help other people as a way for us to work towards some end, or we want to help them work out of their problem. But We stay busy because we have this false sense of accountability or responsibility to other people. Some people have called it a savior mentality. I don't know if you're familiar with that concept or not, but in the savior mentality, you're always coming to someone's rescue. When someone says they need you, when someone asks you to do something, you are always there. And part of this, friend, is kind of a lack of boundaries. If you've never read the Boundaries books by Henry Cloud and John Thompson, I highly recommend them. Because those of us who are busy because we're serving everyone else in this unhealthy way need to learn some boundaries. And it might have happened in your family. A lot of family dynamics kind of create this from us in adulthood. But maybe you were that person in your family that when things fell apart, you were always there to fix them. Or you're the one that everyone knew they could always count on, right? She'll come through for us. She'll take care of it. She'll do this. She'll do that. If that's you, friend, and if that's what's keeping you busy, I would just encourage you today to dig into the root of some of all of that. Because part of it is this false sense of, and I hate to say this, but it's a false sense of pride. Because at some level, we truly convince ourselves that people need us and without us, things fall apart. And I know that might seem true. Like friend, I have totally thought this, okay? So this is not me saying or expressing anything that I haven't actually experienced. But I know for me that I have stayed busy before because I had an overinflated view of myself and my ability to make change happen and my ability to kind of control roll my little world ouch In fact, in the last episode, I shared about quitting my job. And this is so embarrassing to share. But when I finally quit my job, I was a little bit convinced that the organization might go under. Okay, do you hear arrogance in that? There is. And I'm sorry for that. I was one of the most senior people there. I'd been there a while. I knew the institutional history. I knew how we did things, why we did things, what we tried, what worked. I knew how to run all the systems. I knew who the players were. I knew pretty much everything there was to know about the job. And so the thought that they could just hire someone off the street to replace me, like that wasn't going to work. They needed me. They really did. But ultimately, they actually didn't. Someone else came in and someone else got trained. And I had to remember that even though they did value me as an employee and I might have left big shoes to fill, that wasn't a job for which I was uniquely qualified. And in fact, there was a job for which I was uniquely qualified that I was giving up that job to do. And that job was being my kid's mom. Every other role I'm in, I'm kind of replaceable. Here's the truth some of us wrestle busyness because we just haven't been able to grasp God's sovereignty, that God is actually the one in control. And we respond to every call for help without asking God which opportunities he's called us to. Because there are people out there that God wants you to help. There are people out there that God wants you to serve. But if you respond to every call and if you have the savior works mentality you're gonna stay crazy busy and maybe still miss out on what god actually has for you and then the truth is there's opportunities that god gives us that he's called us to he gives us grace to do those. The other opportunities, I don't think he's with us in the same way. I don't think we have the same grace to do those things that we're doing for selfish reasons. Now, selfish reasons, that sounds a little conflicting, right? Like, I'm going to go help someone. That's not selfish. But I think with the works mentality, the savior mentality, the problem is it is kind of selfish. We're doing it not necessarily to serve the other person, but we're doing it because it makes us feel. good, right? It makes us feel needed and wanted and it fulfills some greater need in us that maybe we haven't dug into yet. Maybe we don't know why that need's there, but it's still there and it still drives us and we need to dig into the heart condition driving that need. Here's a good example of that. I am not a good kid watcher, okay? I have a category. It's called OPK, other people's kids, and it's difficult for me. And there are times when I have agreed to take care of OPK, other people's kids, and I have struggled. It has been hard, super hard, draining, and the worst thing you can imagine happens. I watched the kids, and they had some secret, you know, dormant sickness, and then suddenly my whole family has this sickness for like three weeks just because we watched their kid for two hours, and... Oh, friends, it's bad. But the reason I agree to it, this is embarrassing, but I think I'm going to be a hero. I'm going to help them out. I'm the only one who can help them. So I do it. I say yes, and then I regret it. I don't sleep well the night before because I'm so anxious about it. It's just not good. But then there have been times when I knew that God asked me to help someone. In that way, to help them by watching their kids. And I've done it. And the baby is so good that the mom can't believe that I was watching her child. And God is just with me in those situations. He gives me grace to do what he's asked me to do. But he doesn't give me grace for the times when I just want to be the hero. So this holiday season, and really beyond the holidays, I want you to stop and ask yourself before every yes, why are you doing this? Are you helping because God's asked you to help in this situation or do you kind of believe that you're the only one who can do it or do you believe that without you things will fall apart or do you believe that you're needed in a way that's not really healthy or really accurate? If this is you, friend, dig into this because this heart condition can totally be cured as they all can. Find out why you're working so hard, why you think you need to save everyone, or at least be the helper for the world, right? And part of it might be personality, but friend, dig in and find freedom in grace. God doesn't need you to save everyone. He already sent Jesus to do that. Okay, heart condition number three, it's coming right up. It's the approval mentality and we'll dig into it right after this break. Hey there, how much is freedom worth to you? That's kind of an odd question, right? When I was in the midst of my struggle with disordered eating and body image, I would have paid anything I had to be free. Truth is, I spent a lot of my budget on things I thought could help me be free, like new diets, exercise gizmos, clothing, but none of those things really helped. I'm so grateful that God showed me the way out. And now I'm passionate about helping others find their way out too. I want them to know that Jesus already paid it all. They don't have to spend another cent to find the freedom they really desire. But truth is, it does cost me something to get this message out, compared to who can't spread the message of Jesus's offer of freedom without the help of women like you. Would you consider making a contribution? Check out Compare to Who's Patreon page at patreon.com slash compare to who. Then prayerfully consider giving $1 or $5 a month, whatever you can to help. Any amount you'd be willing to donate would be a huge blessing and will go directly towards covering the operating expenses of this ministry. Thank you for being a part of seeing other women set free from the chains of body image and comparison. May God bless your generosity. Okay, as promised, heart condition number three, the approval mentality. We are busy because we believe that's what other people expect of us. And in so doing, we allow others' expectations to dominate our schedules, our priorities, and sometimes even our thoughts. Okay, now sometimes these priorities are expressed, right? Sometimes we know what other people expect of us, but sometimes they are assumed. And let me give you a good example of that. My son, Zach, had to wear this appliance at nighttime. Now, he's my firstborn, my perfectionist, my rules guy. But truth is, this kid thought his parents' expectations were way harder than they actually were. So when he wore this appliance, he couldn't actually breathe through his mouth. He had to breathe through his nose, and that's really what the appliance was for, was to teach him to breathe through his nose. But if you have congestion, if you have a stuffy nose, there's only one place you can breathe, and that's out of your mouth. And so we had all these incentives, and oh, it was a big ordeal. But trying to get him to wear his appliance through the night to learn to breathe through his nose, we had all of these rules and regulations that went along with that. But when he had a cold, obviously those rules and restrictions were off the table. So normally without a cold, if he didn't try to wear his appliance at night, he wouldn't be able to play video games the next day. But with a cold... Obviously, he couldn't be expected to wear his appliance at night. But this poor kid woke up in the middle of the night one time with a stuffy nose and comes downstairs and he's like crying. He's like, my appliance, I can't keep it in. I'm not going to be able to play Minecraft tomorrow. And we're like, what are you talking about? And he's like, my nose is all stuffed up. And, and Eric and I are like, you know, dude, we don't expect you to do the impossible. And I just thought, how many times do I think that other people expect something of me? And I really don't know. I kind of just project it onto them. Like, I think you expect me to be like this. And they've never actually said it. And maybe it's a standard that's actually impossible. But I think what happens is the enemy gets in our ear and he says, hey, they really expect you to be like this. And it's just not true. Another example of this early in our marriage, I used to, this is funny now, but I used to try to make sure that my husband Eric never saw me sitting around. Max used to make sure that he knew, or didn't know rather, that I napped. So I would never sit around and relax in front of him. And like, I'm not really a big sit around and relax person anyway, but I just had this thought that if he saw me just sitting on the couch watching television or something that he would think I was lazy. I had to always be busy. Now, never mind the fact that he would sit on the couch and relax and watch TV, but I just had this thing in my head that he would think less of me if he knew I was resting. Crazy, right? But that's not what he thought. In fact, I don't think he ever had that expectation at all. I just put it on him, essentially, and then put it on myself. But I think the truth is, like, all of us think sometimes that there are more expectations on us than there actually are. And in fact, the truth is some of us think that God has greater expectations for us than he actually has. And we get focused on crazy things that like aren't even biblical. And we think God expects us to do these things. And it's not even true, right? He just expects us to, to do what he's asked, to walk humbly with him, to love mercy, right? To, to try and, and live a holy life. None of us are going to be perfect at that, but we don't have to live a life of works to justify ourselves. It's not self-justification, which is, again, kind of the same problem that the perfectionist has, right? We can't justify ourselves. So God just wants us to rest in his grace. And here's the other thing. God's expectations for us are realistic. He gives us the grace, like we talked about in the last heart condition, gives us the grace to do what he's asked us to to do. So here's the thing with approval. And I've talked about the approval idol and I've written about it on my blog. And this is a real big deal, I think, for a lot of us. We have to let go of this approval idol. We have to communicate with other people. If we think that there's something they expect of us and we're not sure about it, we need to communicate about that. And then if you find out that there is something that people expect of you and you can't do it or don't want to do it, then you really need to evaluate what kind of relationship you have with that person. Because there are some expectations that are are good and healthy, like if you work someplace and your boss has expectations of you, and those expectations kind of fall within the norm of your business activity, then that might be an okay thing. But if it's a friendship, and your friend expects you to do certain things, and if you don't do these certain things that this friend doesn't want to be your friend anymore, that's not what friendship's about. And that's an unhealthy relationship that you've gotten yourself into. So here's the truth, we don't have to conform to others wishes. And sometimes we're going to have to just face the fact that we're going to let people down. If you're no lets someone down, and by your no, I mean you say no, let someone down and they don't want to be in relationship with you anymore, then then that's not healthy then you're being controlled. Really what this all boils down to is the fear of man, right? And and so many times we're more afraid of keeping others happy than we are afraid of keeping God happy. So the question we have to ask is, why do we value the approval of others equally, if not more so than God's approval? Why are we living to serve other people versus God? And really, if you're staying busy so that others will think well of you, if you're staying busy so others will approve of you, it's just foolishness. Because we're not living to serve others. We're not living for others' approval. If you're only serving people so they will approve of you, you're not really serving them. Again, you're doing it for yourself. True love and service can only come when we live to serve God and not the expectations of others. Okay, our final heart condition we're wrapping up here for today is a busyness identity. Heart condition number four, a busyness identity. When We let our own expectations of ourselves keep us trapped. Okay, so we live in a society, friends, that values busyness. Busyness is like a badge of honor. It's a status symbol. It's like Lululemon leggings or a Michael Kors handbag. I mean, instead of saying things like, my life is out of control and I'm trying to cope, we say, I'm busy. And a lot of times I think what we mean in this, and and not necessarily mean it on purpose, but the message we convey subtly to other people is I'm important or just stay away. I'm too busy. I don't have time for you. Let's just be honest. In some ways, our busyness, our busy identity is really about glory seeking. Now, let me explain that a little bit. You see, Tim Keller says, there are two things we want so desperately glory and relationship, but they can only coexist in God. And I think what happens is we want others to think well of us. We want others to be impressed, sometimes subconsciously, but we want them to be impressed so we can be in relationship with them. We want glory and relationship, but a lot of times those two things compete when it comes to our relationship with other people. We can't have both glory and relationship. Those two things can only exist in God. Friends, I fight my heart And how much it wants glory. I fight it. And I venture to say that if you searched your heart for a while, you may find a twinge of that fight too. A desire for glory. But glory can't come from busyness. When our identity is busyness, we're slaves to our schedule. We can't say no. We can't scale back. All of those things are painful because it affects our busy identity. So in 2015, I was writing 9 to 10 blog posts a week. I wrote for my blog. I wrote for a few other blogs. I was trying to find a publisher for my book and doing a lot of guest writing opportunities as well. Because part of writing is platform building, which is a pain. All of a sudden, God asked me to give up. All of my extra blogging all at once. And in my head, I was like, no way, God, I have to do these things. Like, publishers want you to do this stuff. I'm never going to get a book published unless I'm building my platform and I'm writing nine to ten blog posts a week. But he told me I needed to quit. And so I did. And then in 2016, God asked me to give up the gym. And I've talked about this and written about this before. I thought part of my identity, I didn't really think it, but it had become part of my identity was being a gym person. And so I had this gym job and then I had these blog posts that I wrote and God stripped that all away through 2015 and 2016. And what happened as a result of that is I went from super busy to, okay, I have some extra time. And I felt a little naked, honestly, without all those things on my schedule. I almost didn't know what to do with myself. I didn't know what to do with free time. And what I realized was that a busyness identity, friends, it's way overrated. We think that that's what's helping us feel good. We think that that's building our spirit up, building our soul up, that we can feel good about ourselves because we have all these things. And the truth is, friends, We only feel good when we can rest in Christ, when our identity is wrapped up in Him. If our identity is wrapped up in our busyness, we're missing the reason for work altogether. And like we talked about last time, we are a slave. God doesn't want us to be slaves. He wants us to be free. And the only time we're free is when we aren't working for our own glory. That's when the striving stops. That's when the pressure comes off. When we're working for the glory of God. We don't have to justify ourselves. We don't have to work super hard to get people to approve of us. We don't have to find our worth and value from what we do or how perfectly we do it. We can just rest in the truth that Jesus took care of it all on the cross, that Jesus settled our value once and for all then. (laughs) In fact, truth is, our salvation is perhaps the only thing in our life that we don't have to leave undone, half done, or not even started. We can rest because it's complete. Jesus said it's finished. There's nothing left for us to do. Everything has been done, and we can rest and find our identity in Jesus, not in busyness. Well, that's all for today's episode. I hope you've gotten something out of it, and I hope you've been encouraged to find some time to rest this holiday season. Thanks for listening. Hey, friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah. It's been a minute Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. What do you do when the world around you is falling apart? It's amazing to me how many people are breathing air. They're going about their business and doing the things you're supposed to do. But if you really ask them, they know that on the inside, they are spiritually and emotionally and relationally dead. If we're not careful, all of us can experience that death. When what we need to do, even as the world around us is falling apart, we need to learn how to march when it would be easier to stay where we are and die. Join me each week on the March or Die show as we discuss that and so much more.